even before you had the six pack, even before you had your life together, even when you weren't making any money, even when you were a bomb, you know, whatever, whatever fucking insecurities and weaknesses that you're ashamed of in you right now. And you hope if I can just work hard enough, I got rid of these weaknesses and then I'll be the man or the woman. And I'll be the, you know, the ultimate best to me or I, my ideal self, whatever. When you get to that level of maturity of turning inward enough, you realize that you didn't need to do any of those things to be worthy of love. And actually that was the thing you were striving for the most. What's up, my friend? I'm health expert, Ted Rice. Today I'm coming to you from Bangkok, Thailand, but just in a matter of four days, I'll be back on my way to the United States to see my dad. Can't wait for that. And today I've got a great episode for you. It's with my friend, and um, I consider him a mentor as well, even though we don't talk as much as I'd like to, but David Tian. And David is just, he's a guy who's crushing it in life, has a life of his dreams, basically. I mean, we're all working on things. And one thing I love about this conversation that you're about to hear is that David and I know each other well. He's uh, helped us uh, several times. We've connected several times in person in different pl places, the last one being Bali, which is kind of a cool place to connect. I mean, how crazy is this life that, that I'm living? And David's is even crazier. So one of the reasons why I'm so excited to share this conversation with you is because it's just a real conversation about life and about how to have the type of experience that we want in life. Because so many of us, we're having an experience of life, but a lot of what we experience, we don't want to experience. And how do we get to life that we want to experience? And we try a lot of different things and we go down a lot of different rabbit holes, really, and we get lost. And the results typically don't give us the return on investment of time and money that we'd hoped. So how do we get to that place where we're experiencing life on a different level? That's what David and I get into today. We're going to talk about what's possible in life because so many of us, we're stuck in these patterns of what kind of society has you stuck in, right? Has you believing. And I don't mean like conspiracy or the man, the man's out to get you. I just mean like, you know, just these things happen. And we just like, oh, well, yeah, what do you do? Well, we got to get good grades. And then we go to college. And then we, you know, get a good job after college, after getting good grades in college. And then, you know, then go back at a master's or maybe PhD or become an accountant or doctor or an attorney. And then we end up with all that stuff. And we're not happy about where we're, we are because we lived someone else's life. So how do we live the life that we want, the life that serves us? That's what we're going to get into today. Before I do, I just want to say the Legendary Life program is up and running. We don't have that many spots left. I can't tell you exactly how many spots because we're just kind of going with the flow here. But I'll tell you this, we're close to max right now. And if you haven't gotten your health handled, if you've been, if you set some New Year's resolutions, well, I'm probably not the person for you if you set some New Year's resolutions. But if you're, if you know that you need help, guidance, accountability, the right strategies instead of following the keto, carnivore, intermittent fasting diet, I want to invite you. And you've been listening to this podcast, and you know that I bring the goods, I get the results. I want to invite you to hop on a call with me. So go to legendarylifeprogram.com/apply and book a call with me. We don't have that many spots left. If you're interested, take action now. Let's not repeat 2020 uh, or repeat 2019 
for 2020 and repeat 2020 for 2021. Let's get it handled. I can get you there. And if you have just started listening to the podcast, you want to learn more about the coaching, so you haven't heard me like plug it a million times yet, go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash coaching and you can see the testimonials. So that's enough of that. Let's get to the interview with David Tian because let me tell you, this is going to give you some perspective on your life. Some perspective. These are the types of conversations I want to have more on, more of. So have a listen, apply what you learn, and I'll speak to you on the other side. David Tian, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really excited to speak with you again. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good to be on. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, David's actually a friend of mine. We met several times in person. Most recently, we were in Bali in, I forget the name, Uluwatu, where you were staying in Omnia, or, or we met in Omnia, which is this really cool, swanky, like pool party place with DJs. And it's overlooking this incredible view because it's on a mountain and you see the ocean down below. And I I took several photos, Instagram worthy photos there, but more importantly, just had a great time hanging out with you, uh, your wife, Jill, and and both of our wives are friends, Giselle's uh, friends with Jill. And you're actually hosting a, a mastermind. So it was like the tail end of your, uh, one of your VIP, uh, I, I don't know if you'd call it a retreat, but yeah, one of your VIP events that you have all, all across the, the world. So it's really cool to hop on now and catch up on an interview because I know so much more about you. We're, we've deepened our friendship and I just have the ultimate uh, or, or utmost rather respect for what you do and, and how you help people. Thank you. Yeah, that that was a good memory too. Uh, meeting you out in Uluwatu. I wasn't sure if we'd be able to hook up, um, but we overlapped and it was great. Yeah, that that spot's really nice. It's on the, at the edge of a cliff with infinity pools all around and full on, very uh, elaborate uh, DJ setups and all that. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's great to to see you all around the world too. We were overlapping in Thailand for a while, um, and uh, yeah, just it's great to see you travel all through Southeast Asia as well. That's pretty cool seeing that. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit because it changes your perspective so much. But I think the best way to start for some of the people who may be new to the podcast and they didn't hear our last interview, could you just briefly talk about what it is that you do now? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I guess we'll go backwards. So what am I doing right now is um, I'm a therapeutic coach. I do therapeutic coaching, which is a combination of psychotherapy and coaching practices, depending on the approach that the client needs. And I do it largely through groups online, but I also have a private practice and growing that part of it um, at the moment, the private practice. And have lots of uh, courses online, I've been doing that and uh, developing, researching, testing, uh, and launching uh, various courses for various different uh, purposes like masculinity, psychology, relationships, dating. And my audience is about 90% men at the moment. So a lot of these courses and a lot of the content is directed at them. Though in the past few years, almost all the material I've made is equally applicable to women. So we've had women join and they've been some of my uh, favorite and most motivated clients in our group coaching. And we also, have, as you mentioned, have a, a VIP uh, mastermind. And we travel all over the world to meet up. So our next meetup 
uh, as of the recording of this, is going to be in San Diego in a couple weeks, and then we'll be in uh, Japan to see the cherry blossoms right in the middle of the, the season for that, <clears throat> and then out to the French Riviera, and uh, hope to get another Bali trip in there, and, and they're, they're going to come out. We're, we're based now in Taipei, so we hosted one recently in Taipei at the top of the W Hotel towers, like 50-something floors looking right at the 101. Anyway, just amazing experience and just being with the best clients, the best people, just really a re rewarding uh, career. It's one of those things where like you think back when you were a kid and there are jobs that are created, that have been created now, that exist now, that didn't exist. Well, I'm 43. I just turned 43. Uh, so they didn't exist 30 years ago. Like you wouldn't have been able to imagine it. And one of them was dating coach. Another's life coach. And another is like a combination of therapist coach. <laughs> so... Uh, pretty much my whole life trajectory in the past 15 years, I would not have predicted any of it uh, when I was a teenager. So it's pretty amazing looking back and be, it's very um, rewarding and enriching experience. Yeah. And uh, there's no way to predict it because it's just uh, so many new things have happened. Same thing here. Um, just just incredible. And And I think that's a good reminder for anyone listening that in spite of what the news says, in spite of all the terrible headlines and all the fights on social media or the the unhappiness with politics especially because most of our listeners are from the u.s that it's truly an incredible time and if you can disconnect from all that negativity and focus on the opportunities not only can you have an experience of life like what you just said uh but you can also you know, you can also make a, a bigger difference too, right? You can give more back. You're, I, I believe that the best thing one person can do is serve as an example of what is possible, like what you just said, right? Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, we can, we can say motivational things or inspirational, you know, make inspirational posts, but it's how we're, we're showing up and living our lives and how we say, you know, oh, well, the system says you got to, because actually we, we should talk about this a bit, because you have a PhD in, uh, is it Asian studies? Yeah, it's an Asian philosophy. So there's another philosophy. way, since the beginning of taking schooling, <laughs> I've mixed lots and lots of things. So there's a multidisciplinary PhD out of the University of Michigan. And it was, uh, the home department was uh, Asian cultures. And uh, the secondary department was philosophy. And I, before that, I did quite a lot of graduate work in religious studies. So it's all mixing. Basically, it's the Asian, the history of Asian religious philosophy is the exact, is the, probably the most accurate term for that field. And then I, I went into a professorship at the National University of Singapore. That's what brought me out full time into Southeast Asia. Before that, I was mostly in East Asia, China, Japan, Korea. Um, but taking up the professorship at Singapore introduced me to this intensely complex area called Southeast Asia. And it's, it's been amazing. I haven't, I haven't really left, even though now I'm in Taiwan, I still consider it like connected to Southeast Asia more, more closely. If you just fly South for a couple hours <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was professor of philosophy in the department of philosophy there. And my specialty turned very quickly into moral psychology. So this moral psychology is a multi, it's an interdisciplinary field that branches uh, psychology, ethics, um, and in when it, in Asian studies, so the Asian moral psychology. So I was doing graduate seminars on that, uh, publishing on that, and um, 
eventually I, I realized that the dating coaching that I was doing on the side, so during my PhD studies, I had dis- uh, I'd become divorced. And I had also left the faith of very conservative Christianity. I'm now kind of open, uh, like, you know, to to less uh, fire and brimstone fundamentalist Christianity versions. But at that, that time, evangel- like a hardcore evangelical view was what I had. And I had left that. And that left me wide open to like, well, well then fuck that. I missed out in my 30s, in my 20s. What was the point of all that restraint if there is no sin? So I got to make up for this shit. I had no fun. So I started having fun. I discovered that a big part of having fun was was women as a man, as a straight man. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing when it came to that because all I knew was like Christian dating, which is, you know, no kissing, no sex, the whole thing. So I learned it all from scratch. And I realized that uh, it was great timing. It was just in the, t- the time when the book by Neil Strauss came out, The Game. And it was literally that month that I also happened to meet in my class. I was teaching Buddhism, Introduction to Buddhism at the University of Michigan. And in my class was the co-founder of one of the largest dating skills companies in the world at the time. And we became really good friends, took me under his wing, and I learned pickup, basically. Let's just call it, that's what it was, pickup. And I got really good at it for fun for myself, just learning how to meet women from scratch, just and then uh, knowing the what to do on lines. the date and all that. Right. Yeah, pickup lines were the easiest part. The hardest parts were the escalations from one level to the next and doing that in an accelerated fashion. And I got good at that. A big part of that was so much travel. So you'd make mistakes. You'd escalate too fast. You'd put your foot in your mouth or whatever. And uh, then you'd then like every semester I was in a different continent. So it didn't matter all my, my mistakes. And every semester I got better and better until um, I started this blog just for fun for myself and my friends. And then that blog caught on because it got shared across these different forums. And then guys started approaching me for help. And then there were so many of them that uh, I had to put some restrictions on and eventually was able to charge for it. And within the first year of being a professor, my dating coaching income exceeded the six-figure package, actually, that Singapore um, was giving me. They're very generous to teachers there. And um, after a few years, I resigned from the university. They were very restrictive over my personal life. It is Singapore, after all. Very so restrictive. Shoot, um, we can't yeah. sell. <laughs> they will, they will, there's a death sentence for just even having a little bit of marijuana. So I, I didn't want to work for this university, this restrictive university context. And I had just gotten out as the postmodern SJW thing was catching steam in the academy. So I'm very happy that I got out before that. I would, you know, so I would have been even more miserable if I stayed. And I went full-time into coaching. And then a couple of years into that, I got really tired of pickup. I wanted to find something deeper. It was just sort of like I was a starving kid in my 20s for for like fun and pleasure and sex and things. And then as I figured it out, it was like, the starving kid is now gorged out on his buffets. His stomach hurts. He's obese. And he wants to find something more than just these Krispy Kreme donuts and McDonald's version of, you know, human relationships, these short-term flings and things. And I tried to make a relationship work with the, one of the girls I was seeing at the time. And because I basically, through pickup, learned to become a narcissistic, disordered person. <laughs> because like, we just discussed this before we went on. Uh, being psychopathic, what are the, uh, the dark, dark triad, Machiavellian um, and narcissistic 
works to get ahead. I mean, that's why they or they exist still. Dark triads have persisted as a hawk among doves uh, in the human population because um, in certain contexts, that strategy for getting ahead really works. And it definitely really works in nightlife. There's a lot of uh, dark triad type of people in nightlife. So I learned to do that. Um, but being, a, I think, a good person inside, I just pretended to be this way because this is what I believed would get me the results. And it did get me those short-term results in the, after a while, but it also got me all the downsides that come with the dark triad, which means no real love, no real fulfillment, no actual real human connection, no lasting fulfillment because you're constantly craving for further validation that you're okay, you're enough, you're the best. And it's this kind of fake, very... Um, blustering, but also fragile facade that once it gets poked or scratched or whatever, it just comes crumbling down. And that's what happened um, for me after a few years uh, with that girlfriend. Um, she cheated on me while she was on a girl's vacation out. And I found out in devastating fashion. And then um, I became suicidal for like a month because all that I had worked so hard for at that point, about seven, eight years, actually almost a decade by that point of like building up this narcissistic view of my ideal self. You still see that in self-help, like be your best self. And what does that mean for most people? Best self means, and for a dude in his twenties, got the girls, got the money, got the power, got the, you know, got the car, got the suit, got the watch, whatever the fuck that is. All of that narcissistic stuff. I had built all of that you know, like this great lifestyle and what I thought was a great circle of friends that I could walk into any club, all, all that shit, right? And um, that that came crumbling down with just that the dissolution of that relationship, which was like sort of underpinning my my own validation. And um, that caused me to, in, sent me into an identity crisis and caused me to turn to other sources. One of the most powerful sources that I turned to or had my attention drawn to because of certain mentors who I didn't listen to before <laughs> told me to, you really should pay attention to this clinical psychology stuff that we're sending you now. And it took about six months or so for me to take it seriously. I went through a dark period, kind of like what basically what all of Red Pill is now. Red Pill is this men's rights kind of men's activist movement thing. And I was there in a dark period of bitterness and resentment. <clears throat> and then um, luckily uh, I went deeper <laughs> And turned inward. And instead of directing all that anger and resentment outwards, I stopped and got silent and learned meditation and learned to listen to the voices in my head that were saying those things and paying attention, having enough detachment from them that I could listen to them without getting sucked in. And I was able to, over time, see the deeper layers underneath of what was me, who, who was I. Why was I drawn to these things? Why did I need these things? What were, in fact, were my needs? How was I going about meeting my needs? Um, how, how were the unhealthy ways of meeting my needs? And what are the healthy ways of meeting my needs? And then I started from there. And since then, it's been about seven years. Yeah, seven years since then. I've been on this tremendous journey. It feels like it's been three lifetimes, but it's just been seven years. And now I'm in therapeutic coaching. <laughs> <laughs> That is an incredible, incredible story of transformation. And I, I know a lot of people resonate with that and are listening. And, and we've all been down roads that we thought were the right thing to do, but took us to a place where we didn't feel good 
after achieving that goal. And I, I just want to bring up a, a couple of points that you made. You made a great analogy about human relationships, the, the types of relationships. So, so by the way, if you're listening right now, David was a pickup artist. We, we can call you that, but now he kind of helps guys who, or, or even I guess women who, who get into that or see that all that stuff, right. About, you know, just basically manipulating women. And now you get people, you get guys away from that to help them with these deeper issues. And instead of, you know, to go back to your analogy, the analogy of having the McDonald's or Krispy Kreme version of human relationships. So many people do that, right? In fact, we can even, since this is a show that's mostly about health and fitness, although lately it's been a lot about this other stuff, this deeper stuff, but people are overeating those things. People are indulging in those behaviors that are the analogy or, or analogous to having fast food, whether it's buying things. So you can spend your money on uh, hiring a coach like you or me, uh, or a personal development seminar or you know therapy or whatever it is. Or you can just buy a big screen TV because, hey, it's game season. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so people keep investing their time, money, effort into these things. And they look around at their lives, uh, especially the the people who we speak to here are in their 40s and 50s. And a lot of people end up in their 40s and 50s kind of wondering, hey, what happened? You know, why am I, why am I not happy? Maybe they have the money, but they don't have the fulfillment or don't have relationships. Maybe they have a great relationship, but they don't have financial success because of money mindset issues or, you know, or not having the social skills to step up and negotiate their salary and sort of not in a Machiavellian way claim what's theirs, but really just in a confident, like, hey, here in a self-worth way, step up and say, this is what I'm worth. I am worthy of more than what you're paying me and either pay me or I'm going to go find a, a place that really appreciates uh, me. And, and, and so many people get stuck in jobs, stuck in relationships, stuck in careers where they're just kind of, you know, doing what they thought was going to make them happy. Sometimes it's because of what you're saying. They were after a goal and then they got that goal and they're not happy now. Or it could be because they haven't stepped up enough in the right areas. David, one thing I, I love to bring up to people is that we talk, we, we're very hard on people who choose to numb their negative emotions through drugs, or even more so, like on a show like this, we're very hard on people who choose to numb their negative emotions with food right? Because it leads to being overweight, obese, uh, health issues. We're very hard on them. But the reality of my life was that I was the other extreme. I kept going for exercise and working out really hard and building muscles, kind of like what you did with the pickup arts, right? I wanted to get big and muscular. I wanted guys to kind of respect, like, oh, look at that guy. He's, he's a muscular, strong guy. He, he deserves my respect. I wanted women to like me. 
um, a huge part of why I got into it. And then I found myself in very good shape. And, you know, I, I got compliments. Oh, you look like a Greek God. And, and, but my relationships were w- with women were, were not good. My relationships with my friends weren't good. My relationship with my parents, which wasn't all on me, um, but, but it wasn't good. And I wasn't stepping up in a way uh, where I was handling it, I guess, in a mature, I, I don't know what you would, how you would characterize it, but in, in a mature way that with, with, uh, boundaries that really protected me, but allowed me to step up and show my parents, um, hey, I care about you guys, but there's a lot of unhealthy behavior on your end with alcoholism, emotional abuse. And so, you know, I love you, I'm here, but, and so we all find ourselves in these situations. And to bring it back to your level, uh, your area rather of expertise, where do you find, uh, you know, you, you talked about how you found yourself and you looked within. A lot of people need to do that. For someone listening right now, what are some things that you could tell them to do to disconnect from all the craziness, the inundation of information in our society with, the, with this superficial garbage information and start to turn within and to really figure out like the things that you figured out. What mm. are my real problems? Why do I want the things that I want? What are my real needs? How am I meeting my needs in, health, in a healthy way? Or am mm. I meeting them in an unhealthy way? What would you recommend to someone who is uh, you know, looking for those things right now? Yeah, great question. Well, one of the things I wanted to point out is that there are phases in life. So it's been as a my experience as a coach it's not been that effective to take somebody who's in let's say i call it phase 1 novice and i've identified five phases in life i'm i'm personally mostly in phase 3 and occasionally in phase 4 and trying to be more in phase 4 uh, but i've identified these five phases and a lot of people are in phase 1 novice which is where they're where i was where it was just starving for um getting the result, the goal, achieving the goal, whether in in the case of people who are in diet and fitness, trying to get that six pack or just trying to lose a certain amount of fat, or when it came to my dating life in in my late 20s, transitioning into my 30s, it was um, getting a certain number of women interested in me and getting those results, whatever. And it might just be making money. Like this very common one, making X amount of income or X amount of net worth. And once we get those goals, then we think in the back of our mind, then we'll be able to rest at least for a long while because we're finally enough. We made it, right? Like, <laughs> I made it. Time? Yeah, you got your six pack <laughs> and then you celebrated the next weekend by gorging yourself. You're like, oh, damn, got to do that all over again. <laughs> and uh, that, that's when we move into phase two, like actually getting the goals. Phase two night. So that phase, what I call the phase two night, K-N-I-G-H-D, which is where you tap into that warrior energy of get shit done. Like, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to systematically think about how to achieve that goal, break it down into weekly goals, daily goals, what I need to do, instill those habits, cultivate the habits, and then play those out and then stay consistent and persistent with them over time. That's what a coach is really good at doing, just coaching you along the way in your phase two night, attaining those goals that you have set for yourself for whatever reason. Right. And, and hopefully there are some good uh, reasons behind them, some positive intent. Um, but on top of that, you think, all of us think that if we attain those goals, then we'll be finally happy. 
Because we're like dissatisfied right now. We're not quite happy. But if we get those goals, whether it's the money, the babes, the body, then we'll be happy, right? And once it's really only when you get close to getting it or you get it and you realize then you can, then it just shows, it's like right in your face. No, this isn't actually going to make you complete. You think you think it is. And now you're like scrambling around and looking for the next thing because you still feel empty and it gives you just a momentary high, like Krispy Kreme donuts, like empty cat, like, you know, tastes delicious. But then, you know, you have to deal with the aftermath, which is the rest of your life. Like, what are you going to do? Just keep eating those to get these momentary highs. Even eventually the 12th one in a box, <laughs> the 12th high will be a lot less than that first high. Right. So what's next? What's next? And that's what I call phase three sage. And I was in phase two night for like in most areas of my life, especially in school and career, but then in with dating and women and that first, you know, short-term uh, meeting kind of short-term dating kind of thing. I was in phase two night, just like figure out what the goal is, backwards engineer it, implement the system, follow through, <laughs> right? Like be a man and follow through. So I just did it, right? And I had some mentors who are older, wiser, a few of them who just like kept saying, you know, you just want to be somebody. I get it. But blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't want to fucking be somebody. I just want to get that girl over there and that one over there. <laughs> you know, like, give me this. Don't give me this like woo woo stuff. And it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I could listen. And that's the thing. Like if I'm assuming the person has or is at this very moment kind of confronting his rock bottom, then he's primed to listen. But while he's in the wild, uh, you know, the center of his phase two night thing where he still thinks his problem is he's not working hard enough or his problem is he needs to be more organized or some low level answer like that, then there's, he's not going to listen to the deeper thing because the deeper thing is too abstract. It's going to go over his head and he's not in touch with his vulnerable emotions yet. He's still thinking, I just need to get it done and do it better. Okay. So what I'll say to that guy is you need coaching and here's how you can do it. You can, and a lot of people need coaching. You know, so they just do need to get organized. They don't know. They're actually, they literally don't know things. And then they, they, once they know them, they at least now know what they should be doing, but aren't doing. So that's very helpful. But information, that's mostly information. And the world does not want for information right now. If you have an internet connection, you can access all the world's information for free. You just need to know how to find it, but it's there. It's phase three sage is where you realize that none of that actually would have satisfied you. None of that information, none of those goals would make you complete. And in fact, once you are in the heart of the phase three sage phase, <laughs> phase three sage is the belief and the realization that you are enough from the beginning. Even before you had the six pack, even before you had your life together, even when you weren't making any money, even when you're a bomb, you know, whatever, whatever fucking insecurities and weaknesses that you're ashamed of in you right now. And you hope if I can just work hard enough, I got rid of these weaknesses, and then I'll be the man or the woman and I'll be the, you know, the ultimate best me or I, my ideal self, whatever. When you get to that level of maturity of turning inward enough, you realize that you didn't need to do any of those things to be worthy of love. And actually, that was the thing you were striving for the most. Now, if I were to tell myself 15 years ago, dude, you, all you really want is love. Sounds like some kumbaya song, right? I'm like, yeah, right, dude. Give me a beer. You know, I'm like, shut up, man. I, <laughs> yeah, but actually, now, I, I can't think of any other better way to say it. And it's just true and it's from a psychological sense. All the psychotherapy, all the clinical psychology is drawing you back to that. And the, one of the easiest hacks to getting to turn inward is meditation. And for me, I was I had hit rock bottom and become suicidal. And I was casting about for a new 
sources of knowledge that I had rejected or just was blind to. And one of them that kept coming up was meditation. You know, this is uh, eight years ago now. And even then it was, it was like becoming trendy. It kept showing up. I'd read about Navy SEALs who are like the utmost in terms of marketing wise, phase two nights, right? They just they crushed it, you know, no excuses, the whole thing. And these turns out these Navy SEALs and these special forces guys, they meditate. And I'm watching like an admiral uh, at a lecture explaining why it's so important to go do meditation. And then he invites some meditator to come up and give a talk. And I'm like, okay, why is it that these super tough guys would need to just sit in silence for 20 minutes? What does that get them? And then I read about these billionaires like Ray Dalio who do meditation. Then I read Arnold Schwarzenegger did meditation for a whole year and like still advocates for it. So I eventually found a meditation coach, um, a guy I've, I've done a bunch of podcasts with, Stefan Rivali. And that practice, it was just it was actually very simple of just getting a mantra and just sitting with the mantra. And then as your thoughts go by, you observe them and you don't judge them or evaluate them. You just observe them like, oh, yeah, there's that thought that just went by. And this other one. So I don't have to attend to those thoughts. I don't have to be controlled by them. I don't have to follow them. I don't have to be in them. I am not my thoughts. <laughs> I am not even my feelings. I am the part that's observing these thoughts and feelings happening. And that detachment allowed me the amount of emotional self-regulation I needed to be able to do the rest of the work of moving into the phase three stage. And from there, once you have meditation is like the basic foundation, it's sort of like strength and conditioning for almost any sport, right? Just, you have to be able to run a little bit and, you know, you have to get some basic cardio and some coordination, and then you can really get into it. And I would recommend everybody to adopt a meditation practice nowadays it's eight years later since I started. It's so easy. Like there are billion dollar apps out there. You just download and they have walk you through it courses. You just need five minutes a day to get started. There's really no excuse now. And it's really just pride or ego or arrogance if you haven't tried it. And you got to give it a good try. Like it's, you got to give it a fair chance, which means you give it at least 30 days and try it daily. And then if at the end of the 30 days, you're like, yeah, that was a waste of my five minutes each day, then fine, you can stop it. But I've never, I've not known anyone who gave it a fair try, who, for whom it didn't change their lives. And for whom, if they started with five minutes, they'd quickly get up to 20 minutes, because it was just one of the most enjoyable parts of their day. And I think so many people, they, they use some other things for distraction and numbing, like you were saying, food, Netflix, uh, video games, assuming they're not very good at video games. So it's <laughs> just doing it to pass time. Um, and working out. Absolutely. You can overexercise. You can use exercise as an escape in a bad way. And um, they're, they're using those instead of sitting with their emotions and their thoughts and feelings and observing them and not letting them control them, but just observing and not evaluating. And that, that's what I would recommend as a first step. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Do you want to know a secret that all my coaching clients follow? It's really simple, but powerful. Add vegetables into each meal. But let's be honest, most of us, including myself, don't eat the recommended servings of vegetables and fruits each day. So for those of us who are on the go or have trouble eating healthy, having a greens powder makes it easy to get your greens in every single day, no matter how busy you are. And that's why I use and recommend Organifi Green Juice a superfood powder that you just add water to so that you can get your greens in even when you're on the go. 
The best thing about Organifi Green Juice is that it actually tastes great. But don't believe me, try it for yourself. And use the code TED20, that's capital T-E-D, the number 20, at www.organifi.com. That's Organifi.com to receive 20% off your first order. But hurry, this is a limited time discount for Legendary Life listeners. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I, I want to actually dive into two things you said about having to hit rock bottom before you get to that point where you're really open. That's something we need to open up and, and dive into a bit deeper because uh, that's what this show is really all about, right? Is is that is transformation. If we had to sum it what I'm about, what this show is about, what legendary life is about, and probably what you're about too, is is like this transformation and transformation in the right direction. Before I ask you about your thoughts on that, let's talk about a little bit about meditation because so many people ask me about it because I talk about my meditation practice a lot. And one of the biggest, I mean, you've you've heard all the issues. So so people you know, it's so funny because a lot of high performers listen to this show. I'll, I'll, I'll preface what I'm about mm, to say by this. Nice. So a lot of high performers and they're like, oh, well, yeah, I sit down with meditation. Oh, I, I just can't do it. It's not for me. It's like, do you understand that you are exactly the type <laughs> of person who not only yeah. needs meditation, <laughs> in their life because you have a lack of brain training, basically concentration focus training. Cause that's kind of what meditation, you know, in a, in a more simplistic definition is, but you are the person who would benefit the most from it. Right. Because it's like, Oh, I'll work a hundred hour week, a uh, hundred hour work week. I'll, uh, you know, or 60 hour work week, but I know people who work a hundred hours. Uh, some of my clients back in the States, and, and, you know, I'll go work out hard for two hours. <clears throat> I'll go do this. I'll go do that. And they name all these, like, to, to put it into the phases that you talked about, these night phases um, or mm. this, this, like, everything comes by hard work type of phase. And um, what ends up happening is that you start to get burnt out or, like you said, you achieve things and, um, you know, you're not really that happy about it. But once you start to meditate, so, so let's talk about this. The biggest thing is meditation isn't for me because I sat and tried it and, you know, I just can't sit there and do that. Uh, so for me, the headspace was where I started. Now I'm in a completely, I do Vajrayana, uh, probably a modified version of Vajrayana or, or Tibetan for those of you um, listening, Tibetan Buddhist meditations that involve uh, more tantric, like somatic practices, which I, maybe that sounds like word salad or, or just a bunch of fancy terms, but it's really just more about getting into your body. But I started with headspace. But the thing was, the, the game changer for me was when I actually went and, and did a meditation class in Chiang Mai, Thailand with a monk and sat there and learned it, right? Mm. Was forced to do it over the course of a couple of days. And what would you say to someone who's trying app? Because people are trying the apps. 
David, or at least the people that I've talked to, you've already said to the people who haven't what their issue is and they need to give it a try for 30 days. But for the people who've, who've tried it, they've tried the apps, like how do you help people overcome that point where it's like, oh, uh, you know, meditation isn't for me. I tried it and, and I just can't stop my thoughts. Oh, okay. So I have many Achiever friends and many Achiever clients and they've, who've tried meditation and eventually stopped doing it. And I've asked them why. So I have their objections. One of the objections I haven't heard is I can't stop my thoughts because, well, that's proof that you need to do meditation. That's sort of like, um, I stopped working out. Why? Because I couldn't lift the weight. That's why you should work out, <laughs> right? You weakling. <laughs> so generally, if you have a lot of thoughts going around and you can't stop them with simple meditation, the, you're going to need to go see a psychiatrist and get some SSRIs. I mean, the normal thing is psychopharmacology at that point. So if you want to avoid drugging yourself up, try meditation. Isn't that going to be easier than taking more drugs? And in some extreme cases, you could be benefit from taking some psychopharmacology and getting some uh, added um, help along the way. But hopefully you won't um, become uh, attached to it or addicted to it or um, just become too inured to it that you'll need higher and higher doses of it. And if you can just figure out meditation, then that's a natural, sustainable way to be able to regulate your thoughts and emotions. So the objection that I've heard the most from achievers is I don't think it's doing anything. Right, like mm, I'm sitting here and I don't know if I'm just daydreaming for 20 minutes. What am I doing? So I say, okay, great. I know achievers. You guys are good math people. You work really hard. Let's put you on the achievers track of meditation because actually meditation isn't a great term because there's so many kinds of meditation. Right. Right. Like I just mentioned a bunch of others and and um, a big uh, two big camps in my mind are mindfulness meditation and, and mantra, which is silent with just a mantra, and they're very different brainwave profiles. So I would take them away from the medit from the mantra if that didn't work for them, because that's actually the simplest versus mindfulness. And we'll take them over to, to mindfulness and I'll slap on a neurofeedback device. And you can use a very simple, you can order one off the internet called Muse, M-U-S-E. It's like 200 bucks. And it's basically, it's an EEG device that you just strap on to your head. It's like a headband that you, that fits across your forehead and then around your ears. And it's, there's an app on your phone that you download to, and then you sync up the app with the device, with the Muse headband, and then you go for it. And what it's basically doing is telling you when you're hitting the right uh, waves. I think it's alpha. It's been a while since I've used Muse. It's been years. So I can't remember the exact name. But these are the brain waves that they find in the Tibetan monks when they've done extensive studies on this. You can just Google um, those years when it was really popular for the monks to just sit there and they just hook up uh, a brainwave detector thing on them and, and do all kinds of other neuro uh, uh, analysis of the monks while they're meditating. Uh, and, and seeing their brainwaves, how different they are from normal people, especially from very stressed out people. Right. <laughs> stress is the yeah. achiever. Stress is the achiever's word for fear. The Tony Robbins saying, mm. and you got to confront your fears, understand them, and not just shoo them away, but try to appreciate them. That comes from IFS therapy, where you really attend to your fears so that you can unburden yourself of them, not just pretend like they're not there and, and deny. And them. that's internal family systems. Yeah, right. yeah, IFS, yeah, internal family systems therapy, the, the most powerful modality of therapy that I've discovered and I've studied several 
so well dozens of them by now um and that's the one that made that finally drove me into i am going to do this because this is so fucking powerful uh, versus the other types of therapy that were mostly like the talk therapy of the cbt and that sort of thing so um, tell me about your problems right right it yeah, just doesn't yeah. really achieve that it's like much. the whole sit on the lie on the couch and yeah tell me about your childhood thing it all goes back to childhood but uh the it's the approach that you take and the talking is just simply psychoanalysis and just telling a patient his psychoanalysis isn't going to help solve the issue. <laughs> You've got to have it at the experiential level. So, um, yeah, going, well, but going back to the meditation objection, and let me just finish off with that so we can move on, is um, the objection that, right, that nothing's happening. So what that happens is with the Muse headband, the app will detect or the headband will detect and send the information to the app whether you're in the right brainwave frequency for that meditation. And when you are, what happens with mindfulness is you're super attuned to the moment. So when I'm in that state, that when I'm doing the mindfulness meditation, I can feel the air conditioning. I'm in Asia, I can feel the air conditioning on my face. I can feel the moisture. I can feel the skin. If I'm sitting in sunlight, I can feel the sun hit my skin. I can feel my hairs moving. I can feel my nose hairs move as I breathe in and out. I can feel the weird itchiness or discomfort in my joints or my body. I can feel it all. And then I start to hear if I don't have headphones in, I can hear the surroundings. I can hear the whoosh of the ventilation. I can hear the creak and the movement around. I can hear it all. And then um, and then I can go inward and start to see things, visualize, you know. I, so I'm, I'm super in the moment. That's like ultra present, right? And your brain waves will do things. It will alter from when you're going about your normal day on your laptop and then you go into a mindfulness meditation, there are actual tangible effects that are happening. And the app will start to put, give you a, an audio signal because your eyes are closed when you meditate. So it's going to go chirp, chirp, chirp. It's not going to, it's not going to be somebody chirping, but this real, it's going to be bird noises, the birds chirping. And it'll tell you whether you're in the right uh, brainwave frequency. And when you're not, it'll make this loud wind sound like, like a storm. So then you try to get the birds. And it's a lot of fun. Like, it's just, they just gamified it. For the first month or so, it's a lot of fun to get the birds. And then it shows you a readout of your brain activity for the session. It's really cool. You can just Google it, M-U-S-E, Muse Headband. And Tim Ferriss had an article on there, I think by Kevin Rose or somebody. And uh, go check it out. You can find it on the Tim Ferriss blog, Muse, and it explains it in a lot of de detail. So I give that as a suggestion to my achiever friends and clients. Try it with the Muse Headband. You'll know whether you're good at it or not. And once they actually are able to keep the birds going, um, then I recommend that they turn the app way down so they can barely hear it because otherwise it's just distracting because you just get birds all the time. And now you're making it a goal-oriented practice instead of real meditation. Like you don't want to go to meditation in order to get good at meditation. That defeats the purpose of meditation. <laughs> you know, it's don't turn it into a sport. <laughs> that actually is. A, but if you need that, to just get the foot in the door, right? Just to get you back on or just get you started. Fine, right? It's just a good way to just get started like training wheels. And then, I, so I haven't been meditating with the headband because it's just too fussy for me and I don't need it, the feedback anymore. But for the first, well, the first few months that you was using, it, it was fun. And once I suggested that, people were like sharing screenshots of their session, like, look, 90% in alpha or whatever it was. Like, so now they're showing off and that's great. Get you started. Um, and so you know that something is happening. You're not just sitting there and daydreaming, right? So I think, I think that's important uh, for achievers to know that 
they're getting something out of it. But eventually you want to drop the goal and it becomes an end in itself, you know, moment by moment. And there's some days it's going to be crappy. Like you go in there, uh, well, subjectively crappy and thoughts are swirling all around. You can't settle down for the whole 20 minutes. Well, all that means is you you're probably pretty stressed. There's a lot of fears going around, a lot of shit going on in your life. So sit for another 20 minutes if you can't. Um, and some days you're in there and boom, you're calm as fuck right from the get-go. <laughs> like, oh, that feels great. It's like a trip. And then you open your eyes and you're like, wow, where was I? That was amazing. I, it's like doing shrooms or weed or whatever without needing any of that stuff. Um, so it's up and down. It's just like life. And um, it becomes something that is an end in itself. Beautifully stated, David. And uh, it's something that has completely changed my life and took me to a different level, as I know the, the same is true for you as well. And, and really everyone who really goes on to advocate for meditation and isn't doing it for like, um, to sound cool, you know, or to sound with it, you know, like, oh, I'm doing the cool thing too, meditation. It, it, it is a game changer, a life changer. It's the thing that I, I don't even talk about it as much, but I do it I won't say every day, but I do it probably 98% of the time. It really helps me. Uh, and I do it in the morning. And if I feel, like you said, if I feel like I'm really burning the candle at both ends, I'll do it again. And mm. I, man, it makes you so happy by just that left brain. I, the, the, real, the, the way it was explained to me that helped me a lot is our left brain is so dominant, right? There's no problem with the ego. There's no problem with uh, goals. There's no problem with any of that part of us. It's when we get skewed and imbalanced and it's all about, oh, here's what I'm doing and what, what my mortgage payment and what am I trying to do in life? I just want more in life and I got to make that. And, and once that chatter starts taking over, it starts creating a lot of tension in your body. And I would even argue, well, like you said, the thoughts that come up, the incessant thoughts that you can't stop. And, you know, the point really isn't to stop the thoughts anyway. It's to, mm -hmm. like, as you know, right? Uh, just yeah. so for, for the people who are listening, it's just to sort of let the thoughts happen and detach from them and yeah, then come right. back to it's your subjectively mantra. crappy because yeah. it's probably not that enjoyable to see, have all these thoughts swirling around, um, but it's just another meditation session, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, and if you don't enjoy having all those thoughts, then uh, well, do more meditation because it'll start to settle down. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. shaking a, a, a bottle with a lot of dirt in it. If you keep shaking it, it'll just keep going around in cloudy water. And if you just let it settle, everything will be fine. It's a great analogy, David. I like that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I heard it in a, read it in a Buddhist text. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, like going back to that burnout uh, theme, right? Like that's one of the hallmarks of what I call the phase two night, that warrior energy phase that everyone should get a taste of and that I was in for a long time. And, and what will happen is it doesn't ever work in the long run. Like that energy of just go and grind or just keep running and keep pushing. And, and, and there's another mountain, scale that fucker and wake up really fucking early and, you know, beat yourself into submission. Wake up at 3.30 and do your meditation for 10 minutes and then journal for oh, yeah. 10 oh, minutes and do your exercise for 10 minutes. Very common problem in self-help. People start to aggregate morning routines. So it turns into this two and a half hour thing. And it's like, either I do all two and a half hours or I'm shit and I'm not going to do anything. And this day is going to suck. And 
how often, how long do you think they can keep up a two and a half hour morning routine? Like so for like a month, right? two months, whatever, right? And then they hate themselves for the rest of the year because they can't get to it. Versus this is what all getting, the winners are doing, and I must be a loser. Yeah. I'm not spending two or two run, and a half hours. Meditate, work out, then get this bulletproof coffee breakfast, then get this and that, and then right, like uh, infrared light therapy. <laughs> Yeah, you right. Know, the the list the, goes on, right? They haven't gotten to the sleep routine, right? They got this whole one hour wind down to so like a third of their day is just trying to get up and kind of go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, not to make fun of them because uh, I, I know many people who are like that. And that comes from actually this toxic shame that they have been trying to repress for decades. As a, That's one of the hallmarks of, a, of anyone in phase one and two. They're, we all grow up with toxic shame. And it's not whether we grow up with it or not. It's how we deal with it. That's the question. Which coping strategy did you eventually pick? <laughs> did you go with the rebel strategy? Were you the pleaser achiever? Were you the withdrawal, like isolation guy? Were you the, the hermit? The hermit? Uh, what, what was your strategy? And that's what eventually, once you start to see that that becomes an issue, that this burnout is happening, that you've worked so hard You've every day you strive so hard and it's just like there's another fucking mountain you didn't know was there or you get close to the summit, then bam, you get hit with tax return that you didn't expect or I don't know, some, some shit comes up, like your car breaks down, some bill that you didn't expect and you just get hit back again and now you're at the bottom of the mountain. You're like, fuck, I got to climb back up and you're now old, right? In your 20s, it's hard to turn inwards, actually. It's hard to have that maturity. I, I know plenty of people like that. My, my wife is like that. It's rare. It usually you, you're super optimistic about the phase two night phase. Like if I just work harder, I'll finally be happy. <laughs> and uh, is there something you definitely need to learn how to work hard, but that's not going to make you feel complete or enough or fulfill you. And when you get to the end, then you and I can talk. I mean, like then we can talk about the deeper stuff, the vulnerability. And one of the clearest places that comes is and that hey, it happened for me it was relationships if you actually have intimacy with somebody with a with your partner that person is able to wound you more than anyone on the planet at the moment you know your parents would come back in but by the time you're an adult there's only so much they can do to you anymore <laughs> all the damage was done in your childhood right but like as an adult the one other person in the whole world that can fuck you over is the one person you opened yourself up to and became attached to and that often, if there's heartache on that end, in that area of life, that will bleed into every area of your life. Because that, even from an evolutionary standpoint, is this purpose of life. Right. You know, if you think like the selfish gene, Dawkins, the whole thing, evolution, we're carriers for our genes and the gene's purpose is to replicate and pass itself out on, right? And that happens through sex. And then we have to be enough, like have enough endorphins to stick around to make sure that that offspring survives past the crucial phase, right? And then it can go on. And, and so all of those emotions and are explainable through evolution. What's not as explainable is why as an adult child, <laughs> you would have these, <laughs> there's no child, there's no baby of yours that's involved in it. And why are you in, like feeling this way for a girlfriend or a boyfriend? And why does that create the greatest highs and the greatest lows in your life? And one of the ways that it can pop you up into the next phase of life, into what I call the sage phase, where you finally learn to meet your own needs in yourself. You don't need somebody else to feel loved. 
you can feel loved just you already know how to meet your own needs for love for connection for security for significance right you you can do that yourself without having to find another human being to attach to and have that person fulfill those needs for you that's the um, one of the trademark that's one of the distinctions of uh, the, well, the difference between a knight and a sage is that ability to meet your own needs. And often they, knights don't know that. They're like, right. I can meet my fucking needs. I just get enough money or I, you know, get the six pack or whatever it is, right? Get the girls and then I'll be great. So you kind of, it's best if you speed it up. So I actually tell them, look, if you want to mature faster and find real love and fulfillment and happiness and joy in life, go faster down that road of destruction. Like, Get it's counterintuitive, but yeah. yeah. Just you're gorge yourself on these Krispy Kreme donuts. If you think, man, I'll buy you five boxes. I want you to eat them all right now. Right? Like yeah. if you think it's going to make you happy, go for it. And he's throwing up, he's throwing up. He's like, I will never eat a Krispy Kreme donut again. There you go. All right. So now we can talk. What do you, what, what is really good for you? You know, but if he has one a day or one a week, he'll never get to that point where he's actually one a week is pretty, that's totally fine. Right. Whatever you see, actually even one a day, depending on what you're like, that's fine too. But like, if he's just getting a drip, 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 and he's not getting that success yet, it's hard to get the message across that that success won't fulfill you. But when you get into the sage level, that's where you find, man, in a relationship, that's often where it comes up, a breakup in a devastating fashion, let's confront the issues. Why are you so fucking needy right now? And you're not going to get out of it by just working harder or making more money. You already tried that. That's what got you into this relationship, right? So there's nothing more you can do right now to actually fulfill that need that you're feeling at this moment. And let's figure out why it's so intense with that girl or with that guy. Why is it so intense here? And then that is like the breadcrumbs that you can follow back to getting to the root of the issue. And now we're solidly in you know, the psychotherapeutic uh, material. I think this is a good point to wrap up because I could easily talk to you and pull a Joe Rogan for three hours and dive into this. Uh, but I don't have uh, Joe Rogan's type of setup here. What I would love to do, I, I, I really loved our conversation today because we got past all the bullshit. And a lot of what I feel like I do now is give people what they want. Like, oh, tell me, okay, work muscles to exhaustion and apply the principle of progressive overload. All that stuff's important. But it's, what are you really searching for? What do you really want? You have needs. Getting bigger muscles or less fat, it's going to help you. It's a good thing for you. It's a way of approaching life in a healthy way and giving you enough energy. But once you get that handled and you get on that path, like what are you really here for? What are you really after? Right? And Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, having a conversation like this and getting past the bullshit. And if you're listening and you thought some of this was just, oh, come on, you know, just tell me, just tell me the tactics and strategies. You are exactly the person who should go back and listen to this from the beginning. Cause David's been there. I've been there. We've all, or we, we all go through that phase. But if you're really after the experience of life. And, and Joseph Campbell, the late American mythologist, has a great quote that's basically, we're not looking for the meaning of life as much as we're looking for the experience of being alive. 
And if you mm. don't have that experience of being alive, what you're doing isn't working. And I'm having that experience of being of li- uh, of being alive talking to you right now. And that's why I love having these conversations <laughs> so much, man. Yeah, um, great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for if, the opportunity as well. Absolutely. And uh, I want to follow this up. And because I know this is what people kind of need to hear. And in marketing, by the way, and I think you, I mean, you and I know this, but I don't, the, to pull the curtains back behind the, uh, the facade of online businesses, I mean, we all try to tell people what they think they want to know, right? But the truth is, like, this is the thing, right? It's not the, what we're really talking about here is the answer. It's not the marketing stuff that gets you to pay attention and makes you click on the headline and gets, or click on the podcast to get you to listen, right? Those are all the tricks we use because if we told you the truth, like in this hour, you know, in the hour that we've been having this conversation, you're not ready. Most people just aren't ready to hear it. It doesn't emotionally connect with them when they read something like, hey, what are the, you know, what's the long path to long-term fulfillment and happiness? Nobody's clicking on that. It's like, what are the five fastest ways to make more money today, right? Or whatever it is. But um, so, so anyway, to not ramble on any further, just, just love this conversation. Would love to follow it up. And uh, if you enjoyed David's talk today and you want to know more about him, what he does, and if you're perhaps interested in any of his courses or coaching or that really incredible VIP experience where you end up in different spots around the world, go to David Tian phd.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-T-I-A-N-P-H-D.com. Of course, I'm going to have that link in the show notes, but go check out his information because it's next level. David, I I don't know if I've said this, but I consider you a mentor for me in in many ways. You, You sat and helped me with my business and I look at what you're doing and I know that same path, although you you went from like the pickup arts into therapeutic coaching, I know I started in, you know, helping people look sexier and then will end up and have been doing more therapeutic coaching. So, so man, just that's a really long way of me saying thanks so much. I Thank really you. appreciate you. Likewise, man. It's my pleasure. And just as a quick plug at the end, thanks for that plug as well. Uh, if you want, there is a how-to also for when you get into the vulnerability. So if, if you want to know the step-by-step way of what do I do now that I am at rock bottom and I want to learn how to turn inward, what do I do now after I've started meditating? What's the next, what are the next steps? So there, there's a lot more that we could talk about, right, Ted? Like we, we're like pulling the brakes on this one. Like, oh, damn, this is now going to be another several hours we could go on. So, uh, well, you could, I, I got more content on that part of it at my site. Um, but, you know, we can save that for another podcast as well. But yeah, it's been great, man. It's been great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait till uh, we connect again, whether that's in person or for another interview, man. Yeah, can't wait. Always a joy, man. Always a joy talking to you. That wraps up another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Tian. What a great guy, great friend, a guy who didn't have to 
help us when we were kind of stuck in some phases of our business and actually helped us kind of go uh, the direction that we're going in now. He's like, hey, listen, you got to have a, you know, a premium business, a premium brand. You got to create something amazing here. And has he created something amazing? I got to hang out with him in Bali at Omnia, living it up. Beautiful place, by the way. It's just overlooking the ocean and the cliff. It's on a cliff overlooking the ocean. Just an incredible place to listen to dance music and to have a few drinks, even though I didn't even have a drink that day. And just talking about what's possible in life and how to get to that next level. I hope you got a lot out of it. And again, if you want help getting to the next level in your health, if you want to lose fat, if you want to optimize your energy, because you know that's where for you, not for everyone, but for you, you know that's where you need to go. That's where your time, energy, focus needs to go. Then go to legendarylifeprogram.com slash apply. Book a call with me. We have limited spots now. We're getting busier. We're getting busy like crazy. We're growing the business. Get in now before I raise the price on the group coaching or before I don't take any more people for a couple months. And if you're new, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash coaching. Check out my coaching program if you're not sure what I'm talking about and you want to learn more. That's it. Hope you enjoyed this and I will speak to you on Friday. Have an amazing week and talk soon.